With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Thanks for listening and being a part of The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. Good to have your company. Now, if you've just got back into a standard, normal routine, welcome back to you. We have been at the fort and holding that fort prior to this week, but that's okay. You're allowed to have an extended holiday. Um, The kids certainly in America are back to school. The kids in Australia have a couple of weeks to go. So if you're still on a break, I don't want to hear from you on the Talkback lines. I'm extremely jealous. Please enjoy. Relax. Have a fantastic time, and I'm glad that you've tuned in. Um, In this edition, is US President Joe Biden now basing his re-election strategy around democracy? Is he really going to try to stand next to democracy as some kind of campaign fellow? Because I don't know about you, but I have seen democracy twisted, turned inside out, besmirched and bleached in so many different ways by the Biden administration than any other administration I can possibly remember. But that's what he did. Late Friday came out and said it's all about democracy. Isn't that an interesting way to start an amazing year, 2024? My special guest today will be two-time best-selling author, corruption fighter, COVID vaccine skeptic, attorney and science teacher, Kent Heckin-Lively. Kent has had a turbulent few years with authorities. He's had uh, runaway successes with various books that he's published, and it's getting even more complicated because he is not afraid to tell the truth. And he's not afraid to ask questions that agencies don't like. And I'm looking forward to having a chat with Kent very shortly. Do not go anywhere. Make sure you uh, hear what he has to say. From down under today, Queensland Nationals MP Keith Pitt is fighting fit after his break, although he's back in the office today, I hear. And we'll unpack why yet another major, massive wind turbine project, this time in Victoria, Australia, has been dumped. And Funnily enough, it's been dumped by the federal Labor government in Australia, the same Labor government that wants to make sure that wind and sun power, energise the all of Australia, that these are to become baseload power sources, which, of course, cannot be done. And there you have a member of that same cabinet putting... um, the mockers on another major project. This was supposed to be Victoria's wind hub, and it's now in tatters. Just like all the other projects that I have mentioned over the past four months on this program, they don't stack up. They don't make business economic sense. There are so many environmental problems afflicted. Uh, You... It's all well and good to have press conferences and then announce major wind hubs and renewable energy ideas and projects, but it's another thing to get them happening and to build them. So much for net zero. Uh, We'll talk about the first by-election for the year in Dunkley, Victoria. One side, either the government or opposition, is going to get an almighty Philip leading into 2024. And why can't the Liberal Party recruit women? This is the latest accusation. 
over a seat that is about to go before a by-election on the Gold Coast in Queensland. All of that with Keith Pitt. The Queen of Eastern Victoria, Renee Heath, MLC, will be back on the show as well. We've got to discuss uh, the various flood dramas going on in parts of rural Victoria today. Um, Then you've got a paediatric crisis, according to various reports coming out of Melbourne, forcing parents to take their children interstate to see a specialist. There's something wrong with that when you consider that Victoria has spent more money on their health department than Richard Branson has on space travel. And uh, Renee will also put her TV hat on and we'll talk about the winners and the losers from the Golden Globe Awards, which have just wrapped up. A few other bits and pieces. And of course, we've got you. And you can phone through, whether it's in or from the United States or Canada, on 1-888-201-6425. You can call in from the UK, where it's just gone 4am, 033-0024-1026, or from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. You're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting live and on all your video streaming services on the Global News Talk Network. TNT. Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, we didn't even have to wait until everyone got back from their Christmas New Year break before we saw what the president's new re-election strategy is for 2024. Democracy. The preservation of the foundation of America's constitution. Democracy. Now, I had to laugh when I saw him thumping the podium talking democracy. Sure, democracy is important. I get it. And with what happened on January 6, and he delivered this on January 5, uh, the president had to use the second anniversary of those riots to his advantage. But seriously, how hypocritical. Uh, No other administration in the history of the nation has weaponized its Democrat-funded district attorneys or their predominantly Democrat-elected state judiciaries more than the Biden administration, no other. Or maybe that's why he flew out of the campaign shoot over the weekend, spruiking democracy, because Dem election strategists know that people are asking why he has contaminated democracy so much. So he's got to get it back. He's got to retain the advantage he may have had after January 6, because as far as I can see, nothing that occurred on January 6 came within cooey of what has occurred since at the hands of the Biden administration. So in his first speech of the year, he spoke about what he described as a topic that is deadly serious. Cue the intentional pun. Uh, His handlers also made sure he was speaking about democracy near Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, where, of course, the Continental Army trained and reorganised under General George Washington during the American Revolution. Perfect. The scene of the other revolution. Uh, He warned of dire consequences for the country and American democracy if Donald Trump would retake the White House. Trump exhausted every legal avenue available to him to overturn the election. Everyone. But the legal path just took Trump back to the truth that I had won the election and he was a loser. Wow. Meanwhile, a day later, up sprung his nemesis, 
Donald J, who did his best to mock the ailing 81-year-old. His record is an unbroken streak of weakness, incompetence, corruption, and failure. Other than that, he's doing quite well, isn't he, don't you? That's a hell of a list. That's a hell of a list, right? That's why Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, uh, I'm gonna, he's a threat to democracy. I'm a threat. They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. Now, he, he did get a little excited in that flurry, so he got his institutions wrong. Biden hasn't weaponized government. His government has weaponized the judiciary, is what he meant to say. But we got the point. And they have. Democrat-aligned district attorneys who have publicly stated that they hate Trump and they want to take him out have initiated a series of indictments as a way of tripping up Trump on his way to November. And even Democrat-appointed state judges are now doing their best to take down Trump for the blue team. Uh, The Colorado Supreme Court, as you now know, was the first to find the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause applies to Trump. In other words, without due process... They have tried and convicted Trump for creating a January 6 insurrection and have therefore removed him from the ballot. There are now three dozen legal challenges across the United States seeking to remove him from the ballot. What do you think that's going to do to people who are swaying in the middle? That is not democracy. It's a communist regime where the government and the courts collude to remove any scintilla of opposition. That's what it is. And that's what the people of America will see it as. Thankfully, the federal Supreme Court agreed on Friday to hear Trump's appeal against this outrageous decision in Colorado. Trump is right to crash tackle democracy under the Biden administration. You appoint some of these radical left Democrats and they've right from the beginning, you say we're dead. And the Republican judges want to go out of their way to be fair and unbiased and even to a point where they hurt you. And I guess uh, it's a different wiring system or something. But all I want is fair. I fought really hard to get three very, very good people and they're great people, very smart people. And I just hope that they're going to be fair because, you know, the other side plays the ref. So the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in a month's time, a month from today, as a matter of fact. And given the fact that the Supreme Court does have Republican leanings, thanks to Trump himself, it's expected that the 4-3 split Colorado ruling will be extinguished, as it should be. But to fight an election on democracy at the beginning of 2024, as Biden has now indicated, is even more dangerous for him as it may be for Trump. Never before have we seen a legitimate candidate for president found guilty of a serious constitutional offence, insurrection, without any due process, without even a trial or a hearing, and no right of reply, of course, and then thrown off the ballot 10 months before he's running. Like, sorry? What country is this? Americans do not appreciate... Such appalling, politically bent kangaroo court justice. It is the antithesis of democracy. And I think it's a key line in the sand issue that will push voters towards Trump because it's the only way they can protest against the railroading 
of American justice. They want democracy back, and if they have to vote for Trump, even though they mightn't be his best mate, they'll do so. Neither candidate, though, has wasted any time kicking off their 2024 slugfest, but Biden, I think, is not on safe ground here, and as a result may have just taken his first fall in what will be beyond a fascinating campaign. This is today's News Talk, TNT. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Division Council and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. the talk today's news talk radio tnt welcome back diversity equity inclusion anti-racism critical race theory queer theory terms that were rarely discussed so openly even as recently as a decade ago have now become focal points of western politics and culture my next guest has studied these issues in great depth Kent Heckenlively is an attorney, science teacher, and New York Times bestseller. His published books include number one bestseller, The Great Awakening, Defeating the Globalist and Launching the Next Great Renaissance, co-authored with Alex Jones. In 2017, he received the dubious honour of being the only American writer banned by an entire continent as Australia denied his planned lecture series on vaccines as being a threat 
to public order. His 2020 book, The Case Against Masks, written with Dr. Judy Mikovits, was dropped by Amazon and had to eventually be published under a different title. His latest book, The Diversity Con, The Secrets and Lies Behind the Shady DEI Industry, co-authored with David Johnson, was published in October last year. Kent joins us live from San Ramon, California, of course. Kent Heckin Lively, welcome to TNT. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. How will your latest book, The Diversity Con, uh, help counter these disgraceful woke narratives which have become almost entrenched in governments and the corporate world universally? Well, I, I think what is really important for people to understand is how this book came about. So it came about because of my co-author, David Johnson, who was a young black center left man who got a job working for Hasbro as a packaging engineer. And within the first week of being at Hasbro, he had to sit through one of these terrible diversity trainings oh. and he had the presence of mind to tape record it. And they told him in that training that they had to figure out how to slip subliminal messages into the toy packaging that parents wouldn't get. And he was horrified by this. He was horrified also by them saying that babies as young as six months old were racist. Uh, he didn't know where to turn with this. He, he had become aware of Project Veritas. He sent it to them. They put it out there and it just blew up like crazy. Uh, millions of views. And then uh, I've done four books with Project Veritas whistleblowers. This is I'm working on a fifth right now. And so... Uh, when they're done with Project Veritas, they come to me for the, the, the longer story of the book. So just explain to me that this fellow, David Johnson, actually discovered that even in that industry, they are trying to put in messages to change family culture. Yeah, and it just terrified him. And, you know, also what is interesting about David is not only is he young, black, left of center, but he's gay as well. And he said, this America that they're talking about is not the one I grew up in. In his understanding, America had achieved the promise of Martin Luther King that people would be judged by the content of their character, not an immutable characteristic. It is so pleasing that thanks to you and David, we can expose something like this, Kent, because more of it needs to be exposed. And let's hope the book does that and we can actually reverse these woke narratives, if, of course, that's possible. Yeah. And so it was really kind of fun putting together the book because he had studied the whole diversity industry. And so he had some real strong ideas on wanting to attack the work of Ibram Kendi and, and some of these other people there. And and our publisher said, well, that, you know, that's all well and good, but I think you need to go undercover at some of these diversity trainings. You know, let the audience know what kind of craziness they're putting forward. And so that was really fascinating because what we found is that there was like a three-step process in the brainwashing. 
Step number one was really kind of to give a lot of interesting facts and things that people may not know have known about, like the Tulsa race riots, for example. You know, so basically 50, 60 years after the end of slavery, a lot of African-Americans in Tulsa were doing really well. Okay, that's interesting to know, and, and that should be taught. Day two would tend to be uh, some kind of on-the-edge ideas. Day three would be absolute craziness. That's where they'd introduce a transgender uh, agenda, where they would you know, talk about like, well, what should the age of consent be? You know, it used to be 14, now it's 18. Maybe we should go back. So, you know, I think it's it's important to understand how the brainwashing happens because, you know, I think most people want to do the right thing, but to understand how these institutions, you know, are led down this, this path which is so incredibly harmful. And I think we've gotten the, you know, we're starting to get the full flower of it in 2024 with those three Ivy League professors appearing before Congress mm -hmm. and they can't condemn calls for genocide on their <laughs> campus. So, you know, two, two out of the three are gone so far. <laughs> so I think we, we really have to, you know, be optimistic that if we confront the craziness and get them to come out and actually talk, we can get some movement here. Yeah, you've got movement, and so have those who criticised the way they reacted to anti-Semitism. There has been movement. Two out of three gone is a wonderful success rate, and a success rate that everyone should be proud of because it's unacceptable to start apologising for those who dish out the anti-Semitism and try and argue that it's got to be in context, like, for goodness sake. Um, looking at all of this, do you think this... Warped ideology is coming from the top of corporations, the top of governments, or the ground level, or both? You know, it's a really interesting question because when David went to these training sessions, he was a little bit confused because they were imbued with Marxist ideas. So the idea of an oppressor and oppressed. Yeah. Okay. N N nothing else, you know, who wants to be an oppressor and nobody wants to be oppressed, right? Uh -oh. Okay. Is, are, are those the only choices? You know, is it chocolate <laughs> or vanilla? And, and so what we did and, and what I try to do in my books is I always try to find the money trail. Mm -hmm. And the money trail here was really interesting. And I think the villain of this piece is a group out of San Francisco called the Tides Foundation. Now, it sounds, it's one of these, you know, nonprofit organizations, but let me tell you how nonprofit it is. In the 2020 election, they gave out over $600 million. And the Tides Foundation runs a lot of groups, but one of the groups they ran was Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. So, and you find yourself saying like, how does a nonprofit give out $600 million during an election cycle? And, and so it's kind of an interesting legal setup because they've got a lot of uh, funds that you can invest in. And, and so you get a rate of return. So let's say you're a billionaire and you give them $10 million to play with and they, they keep it for a couple of years, good rate of return. And then, then you kind of whisper to them and, you know, all of this is legal. They don't have to do it, but you whisper to them, hey, why don't you give $3 million to Black Lives Matter? That would be great. And the money doesn't come from you, the billionaire. 
It comes from the Tides Foundation. Mm -hmm. And so the question that we had is, why are billionaires giving money to Marxist organizations? Because there's really no money in Marxism, but there is money in monopoly. And if you're destroying local communities, if you're destroying trust between people, you know, we saw during the COVID crisis, $4 trillion of wealth went from the middle class to the billionaire class. That's a scam that works for the billionaires. And I, I think it's important for people to understand, you know, that that seems to be the plan. That's what we come to the conclusion of. Yep. Follow the money trail. You've done very well. I've got to take a break, just a quick break for news, if I may, Kent, and we'll come back and talk. Yeah. Uh, off the top, we'll talk about January the 6th, if I can. Right now, let's get news on TNT. And here's the news. Extra, extra. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Iraq is doubling down on booting America out of the country following a series of deadly US airstrikes. US President Joe Biden has once again been mocked online, with the 81-year-old Commander-in-Chief now needing to be escorted off stage like a child. Doctors are sounding the alarm over a rise in cancer cases in young people, and Australia has outlawed the Nazi salute and the display of Nazi symbols across the country. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. My special guest this hour is Kent Hecken-Lively, who is a two-time best-selling author, um, which uh, at the moment is getting him in trouble, but I tell you what, he's doing a great job at reversing woke narratives in Western democracies, which has to be done. Kent, Judicial Watch announced last week that it filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the US government on behalf of the family of Ashley Babbitt, the US Air Force veteran who was shot and killed inside the US Capitol by then Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd on January the 6th, 2021. Will justice finally win out here, do you think? You know, it's really interesting. I, I watched that Tucker Carlson interview uh, with, with the um, the congressman, and I thought it was really interesting because there were a number of things that they pointed out that are not typical in a police shooting. So in a typical police shooting, the policeman has to be an imminent threat, threat of imminent fear for his life or the life of somebody else. Yep. You're supposed to have issued a warning prior to shooting. The, Ashley Babbitt was crawling through the window, not a danger to anybody at that moment. There were police officers behind her. There were police officers in front of her. No warning call was made out. It was a shoot. Now, I'm not going to tell you I know what happened, but that seems like an investigation is necessary. And you know, we have so many of these lawsuits filed and a lot of interesting information comes out. Yeah. I am expecting that a lot of interesting information will come out. And I think Judicial Watch is, is doing a great job by looking to, into this deeper than has been done so far. Yeah, and quite often, as you say, we see more emerge from a civil case than we do from a case run by a prosecutor and police. Uh, now that we've just passed the, th the anniversary of the January 6th uprising at the US Capitol building, it's noteworthy, I think, to review an important question asked by Congressman Clay Higgins 
in a November 2022 Homeland Security Committee hearing. Now, if you can just listen to the congressman's question and the response he got from FBI Director Christopher Wray. Did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters on January 6th of 2021? Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when. Even are, now, because that's what you I, told us two years ago. May I finish? Uh, about when we do and do not, and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, but to the extent that there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being open? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, confidential human gentlemen's source. time has expired. It's a classic no response, Kent, but what do you glean from that report? You know, my training as a lawyer means that I'm supposed to really listen to people and see what they say and what they don't say. Christopher Ray's response is not a response to the question. Mm. If I was there, you know, and, and one of the, the unfortunate things in our Congress is you get five minutes a piece to question these guys. Mm. I want Christopher Ray in a deposition where he can't run away from the questions. 50 minutes, not five minutes. Uh, yeah. So, so he, we, Christopher Ray's answer raises more questions. And, and so I would say that as I listened to that, that there were confidential human sources there. What they were doing, we don't know. But the fact that they won't reveal this to us is very concerning. Okay, the fact that they were there, Kent, and I've heard a number of theories as to why it was right and why it was wrong. What is your interpretation? What is your feeling about the fact that they were present? Let's presume they were present, because if they weren't present, he would have said so then. Well, the FBI has a really troubling history in our country of infiltrating groups as they did during the Vietnam and civil rights movements and moving them towards violence. And so in the United States, we've, we've had some really troubling things. We had the, uh, the Whitmer kidnapping, supposed kidnapping plot in which I think it was eight out of the 12 people involved were FBI assets. Mm. That's really troubling. Um, I, I also listened to Tucker interviews, Tucker's interview with the, the congressman, where the congressman said that, according to his sources, and he was going on the record for the first time, there were 200, more than 200 confidential human sources around January 6th. And he actually said that they had been going online prior to uh, January 4th, 5th and 6th. Um, in these chat groups, and they were doing the same kind of stuff, inciting violence, 
making people think like, we got to do this, we got to do that. So, you know, I've written 15 books about corruption. What you see at the surface is nine times out of 10, not what's below the surface. Mm. So I'm always for a deep and thorough investigation. If there's nothing to see, I'll be the first one to say, hey, they did everything right. It doesn't smell that way to me at this point. Yeah, I've had over the years um, contacts and friends that I um, came across in my line of duty as a journalist uh, who were undercover operatives in drug investigations, and they would always mm -hmm. say to me, you've got to always watch your back, but beyond that, you've always got to make sure that you are not enticing a criminal act. You could witness a criminal act. You could be a part of one um, instructed to do so, but you couldn't entice it yourself. And that is the question I think has remained unanswered two years after those January 6 riots, Kent. How much and how many of those individuals who, you know, we don't know um, were there or how many were there, how many of them and how and how much of a role did they play to entice the behaviour that occurred on January the 6th? Here's a simple way to answer the question. I'm all about getting to the answer. Release all the January 6th tapes. Let's use facial recognition. Let's figure out who everybody was. Yeah. If we got 200, 300 FBI agents, okay, let's question them. What were you doing? Okay, mm. we got the, the... This is the easiest question to answer because there's what, like 80,000 hours of footage from all the various cameras, this should not be a problem. This is, no. should be something that's that's put out, you know, use AI to go through it, you, you know, crowdsource it. Um, we we should have the answer to this in a couple of weeks if, if they just released all the footage. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're exactly right. I want to move on to another subject, a subject that you have gone into depth over, you have been banned over your views as well. Prominent cardiologist, Dr. Peter McCulloch, has described the power of the technocrats running our healthcare. Have a listen to how he did that. What's happened is a biopharmaceutical complex has formed. This is a syndicate. It's a carefully organized syndicate. They've been meeting together in Davos, Switzerland for years on this. And everybody is in on it that you can see uh, uh, in places of wealth and authority in the world. This complex has figured out that in the setting of a medical emergency, in getting the worldwide impetus behind this, that doors of treasuries of governments all over the world will open and money will pour out into the complex. The complex will invest in itself. The complex will co-opt and collude with anybody they need to accomplish this goal. And they will reward those people with future jobs in the complex. Kent, do you agree with Peter? And probably my view too is that this is a complex. It is premeditated. It is self-serving. Yeah, and what they've been able to do is they've been able to achieve incredible power. So in the United States in 1986, they passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which removed 
uh, liability from the pharmaceutical companies for all childhood vaccines. In 2011, we had a Supreme Court case, Bruzewitz versus Wyeth Labs, in which it took away liability for all adult vaccines. So you can't sue a vaccine manufacturer. And in fact, the standard, the, the, nobody should ever use the word safe and effective vaccine because that's a PR, that's a big pharma PR term. The correct term is unavoidably unsafe. That is what the United States Supreme Court has said. In the law that they passed to remove liability, that's the language they used. Vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. The conversation we need to have is what do we do with unavoidably unsafe products? What do we force people to do? And what is the liability for them? And since they came up with that in 1986, and it's now 2024, can we make vaccines safe? If we, if it's still, if they still want to cling to that law, they have to use the proper terminology when talking to the public. They have to say, vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. That's what the Supreme Court said. That's what Congress said. I'm interested to see some of the rates around the world of booster shot take-ups, and they are grossly appalling. At best, you may get as much as 8% of the population have taken boosters. Um, that is not the United States figure, by the way. What does that tell us, do you think? Do you think it tells us that the public has woken up to the deception that they copped and accepted during the pandemic? You can only cry wolf so many. The deception that they copped and accepted during the pandemic. You can only cry wolf so many times and panic the public. And so I, I think that the public is waking up. Uh, you know, I think my uh, books with Dr. Judy Mikovits ha have really um, opened the door there. The books of Robert Kennedy have done the same thing. Peter McCulloch coming to the fight. Um, a number of other brave people in the United States, uh, Robert Malone, Dr. Paul Alexander, with whom I wrote the book Presidential Takedown. He was the senior pandemic advisor. And so what's, you know, they, they can only attack so many people's reputation at the same time. Mm. And so what's important is enough people to stand up. And, and you know, if you're scared about what's going to happen, well, just get a couple of your friends to stand up with you. It's really, it's easy to take out one or two doctors, but if there's five, 10, 15 prominent people standing up and journalists like yourself standing up, it gets harder to take us out. That's very true. I I'm interested in your reaction after the event, after Australia decided that you cannot possibly run your public lecture series because it endangers, um, what was it, good order or social it, it, order? I, I, I was a, a threat to the political order of Australia is actually <laughs> what it said. That was straight out of the mouth of Xi Jinping, right? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking... For God's sake. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, Australia's banned a couple of people. But, you know, I, I and it's, it's sort of funny because whenever Australia bans somebody, 
they they have to throw in the list of everybody who's been banned. So, you know, it's R. Kelly for being a pedophile. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, uh, you know, Chelsea Manning for stealing secrets. I'm like, oh, okay. Chris Brown for be- beating up Madonna or, or Rihanna. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then my name is there. And I'm like, I wrote a book. Okay. <laughs> I haven't stolen secrets. I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't beaten anybody up. You know, last person I beat up was in the sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that it's just my brain that they fear and what might come out of my mouth uh, really kind of says something about how fragile the system is. I'm watching though. Last question, Kent. I'm watching around the world, and mainly in the health sector, I'm seeing various mask mandates being reapplied. As a matter of fact, I turned up this morning to a hospital to get a blood test, and they were all wearing masks. And it, it threw mm-hmm. me because I hadn't seen it for quite some time. What is your message to people who are watching this and? thinking to themselves, well, hang on, I've experienced the same thing. The masks are back. Should we um, stand up and revolt against that? Peaceful non-compliance. That's what I say. Uh, You know, I I heard one commentator say, like, you know, just make it difficult for him. Say, like, oh, (laughs) I have to give a mask? Okay. Oh, could you give me that mask? Oh, I'm sorry, I dropped it on the ground. Uh, Could you give me another one? You know, do that a couple of times and then hang it over one ear and, you know, just gum up the works. You know, this is some, you know, poor schlub being paid, you know, minimum wage. Is he really going to go after you 15 times for, you you know, dropping the mask on the ground or is he going to go screw it? What's the best way to get hold of your latest book? Uh, best way to get a hold of my book is uh, to order on on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and you can check out my website kenheckenlivelybooks.com, and you can find me on Twitter. Ken Heckenlively, thank you very much. Very generous with your time, and all the very best for your future works and your future revelations. We look forward to seeing them and reading them. I'm looking forward to my future bannings. Uh, yes, maybe in Australia. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Ken. All right, thanks. Lovely. All right. yeah. Can you believe that there he was trying to create a public lecture series, probably as informative as any at the time, and he gets banned? He gets banned along with, as he says, R. Kelly? Like, seriously. Oh, dear. Anyway, good to have him on the program. Got to take a break. We'll come back, hopefully, with your calls, and you can do so from the United States or Canada on one 201 from the UK, 033-0024-1026, and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. I'd love to hear from you. Get on the radio and tell us exactly what you think right now on TNT. My baby's back from the West Coast. (laughs) Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. (laughs) So long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe and is the best way to protect that legacy. 
Ah, those beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you at the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You know, over the past three weeks, we've had a record number of people in aircraft, traveling back to family for Christmas, traveling for holidays, and of course, returning. That's a lot of air travel. And as many of you know, who don't like air travel, it can be a pain. It can be horrific. Some people need their hand held. Well, it's not so terrific when you start to scroll through your news sites and see a plane where the window has burst out and people can look out of that hole or gap in the plane thinking to themselves, when is this plane going to fall to bits or when am I going to be sucked out of that plane? Um, well, it could have been a lot worse, and you know what I'm talking about. A federal probe into Friday's Alaska Airlines flight has started with a focus on the door plug, still missing, that violently blew off the plane in midair, leaving a gaping hole in its side. Now, the problem with the fact that they can't find the plug, they can't work out exactly how the plug became dislodged, and so therefore we may never, ever find out. And the problem with that is some of these Boeing aircraft have been grounded so that until that mystery is known, they won't be allowed to get back in the air. Uh, this could be a major problem for so many airlines around the world. But Jennifer Homedy, who's the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, examined the actual aircraft, the Boeing 737 MAX 9 jet, after she arrived in Portland on Saturday afternoon. She described a ghostly scene inside the cabin with seat backs missing and with clothing scattered everywhere through the cabin. She said, we believe as a result of this violent explosive action that took place and the rapid decompression, there was a sort of a ripple effect throughout the plane. The investigation is in its early stages. Technical specialists will examine everything from bolts on the door plug that ripped away to a pressurization system on the plane as well. At this point, the probe is zeroing in on the Alaska Airlines accident and not a broader set of aircraft. So it could be something that pertained to the way that plane was prepared or the condition of that section of the plane as opposed to a systemic problem for those 
Boeing uh, 737 MAX 9 jets. So that's the latest from what we've heard. Um, We don't rule out anything at this stage, she said, but uh, she also made the point it could have been a lot worse. We are very, very fortunate here that this didn't end up in something more tragic. Um, No one was seated in the two seats next to the door plug that blew out. How does that ever happen? The very door plug and door gaping hole that is accrued from a mishap like that or some kind of functionality fault, there's no one sitting next to that part of the plane? That is extremely lucky. And it's not the sort of thing you want to hear when you're jumping on a plane heading to holiday or heading back to see family. And then you've got to take into account the Japan um, runway that for a couple of days after that plane caught fire was still sitting next to the runway. I spoke to a friend of mine who went up to Japan during the Christmas holidays and said, I'm flying in tomorrow. This is a day after the plane is caught on fire. And he was expecting to see it on the edge of the tarmac, which is exactly what he did. It was just sitting there on the edge of the tarmac in in you know, burnt out. How does that make passengers feel as they're coming in to land? Oh, please land properly. Uh, And don't crash into any other aircraft while you're doing it, please. Amazing, isn't it? Two major events that have occurred just at the time when millions of people around the world are travelling and extensively. Um, You wouldn't write about it. You know, when it comes to the Middle Eastern conflict, as I've said a few times late last year, It's one thing to support the plight of the Palestinians and to ensure that Israel keeps up its side of a bargain when all of this is over about a uh, a two-state solution. That's all well and good. But when you start to go into bat for Hamas, that's when you lose me. Sorry, what happened on October 7 disqualifies all of us from supporting Hamas if you want to call yourself a human being with a heart. And it should also, and I should also say that if you are therefore going into bat for the Iranians, who together with the Lebanese government seem to be very much on the brink of attacking Israel, and I noticed that Hezbollah have stepped up their attacks on Israeli territory already, supporting Iran loses me as well. Now, that mightn't sit very well with many people watching this, but I'm sorry. The human rights records of Iran, and I don't just mean in decades past, I mean to this day, are despicable. And I want to read you the latest story from The Telegraph in the UK on what they do to women who don't do what the male-dominated parliament says they should do. Have a listen to this. An Iranian woman received... 74 lashes. Just imagine one lash for a second. One lash. Multiplied that by 74. She got these lashes for refusing to wear the hijab, defying the strict dress code even as she was taken to be whipped. Roya Heshmati, she's only 33, was charged with encouraging permissiveness after appearing unveiled, oh my goodness, they saw her head, on several occasions in the capital, Tehran. According to the judiciary's Mizan online website, 
on Saturday. Her penalty of 74 strokes of the lash was carried out in accordance with the law and with Sharia. Miss Heshmati was also reported that she was ordered to pay a fine of 12 million reals, which is 225 pounds. The convicted encouraged permissiveness by appearing disgracefully in busy public places in Tehran. Now, all women in Iran have been required by law to cover their neck and head since shortly after the 1970 Islamic Revolution. Um, She just happens to be drop-dead gorgeous. Why shouldn't she be able to freely show her face, her beauty, her fabulous looks? Why should she not be able to do that as a human being? Think about that for a second. Do not go into bat for Iran. Do not go into bat for Hamas. They have lost and disqualified themselves from any kind of human support. If you have a heart, go into bat for the Palestinians. Go into bat for families who've lost loved ones through abduction or the terror that occurred on October 7, sure. But don't think that Iran has turned some kind of human rights corner. Yes, this stuff we've heard about many times before, but it's happening in 2024. It is just disgraceful that it happens in 2024. I was talking to Kent a short time ago about mask rules, um, and this is very interesting. I got this again from a European magazine, but this is dated yesterday. Parents will be told to stop the COVID-era practice of keeping children off school with sore throats and runny noses as part of a government push, listen to this, to tackle soaring absenteeism. So for the first time in about five years, education authorities think it should be ultimately important that kids go to school as opposed to spreading COVID-19, which we know is highly unlikely and minimal. A little bit of common sense. Finally, after all these years, a little bit of common sense. A nationwide marketing campaign is being launched today in Britain, aimed at convincing parents to ensure their children go to all classes under the strap line, moments matter, attendance counts. Both the Tory government and the Labor Party are this week outlining their differing approaches to how to bring down absenteeism in school. Um, I find this absolutely amazing that we would have a change of heart from a government that throughout the pandemic didn't make a priority, didn't make education a priority. And we've got kids, and I had kids at school during the pandemic. They lost at least a year of their education. I couldn't do it. I was working. Um, We didn't have the resources at home for children who needed resources like they would get at school. And for the odd person who has the luxury to stay at home, well, well and good if you want to spend five or six hours a day being a teacher and filling in for the teacher, that's great. It works for you. But the vast majority of kids lost a year of their education. And yet they were very, very minimal spreaders of COVID-19. Like, seriously, get a, give us a break. But this is heartening that finally we've got a government in the UK who will probably be kicked out towards the end of this year. And we'll cover that in greater detail as we get closer to the event. 
But there they are saying that this is what the kids and the parents should follow. Moments matter, attendance counts. You bet attendance counts at school. This is the foundation that they need to get and become very successful and, you know, self-dependent um, throughout their lives. We need them at school and nothing, even a pandemic should not get in the way of all of that. I've got to uh, take a break and then we're going to come back. After a little bit of news, I'm going to catch up with Keith Pitt, the Nationals MP from Queensland and also Renee Heath, the MLC from Victoria too. Plenty to come. Do not go anywhere. This is TNT. This is Chris Smith.